Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson. And today is a very special day. Not only is it Halloween, today is the 31st. Uh, we totally timed that on purpose, uh, knowing that we do this show every Tuesday. But uh, it is in the middle of peak season. And so, uh, you know, recently, especially around this time of the month, you get your State of Freight webinars. We get outlooks and updates, especially with the market. And so a lot of fun stuff to talk about, especially... Uh, those of you just catching us as well, if it's a later date, it's earnings season. So Q3 earnings seasons, getting all the folks on uh, conference calls and analysts talking about projections. So a lot of stuff going on in the market. One big thing to talk about, of course, is what are our expectations as we move into the new year? And not only for carriers, but how does that change in terms of relationships with brokers, especially in this down market? What does it mean to be asset light? A lot of cool stuff we're going to be diving into today. Going to be joined uh, shortly by Manny McElroy. He's the Senior Vice President of Transportation ITS Logistics. Super excited to have him on again to talk about it. A lot of good stuff going on in the space. Manny, welcome, sir. It's a pleasure to get to talk to you again. Hey, Thomas. How's it going? Great to be back. I uh, I dressed up accidentally as a freight broker. Uh, those are looking. <laughs> we have the vest as well as the flannel shirt, so uh, accidentally worked out, but uh, you know, talking about how things are going, especially, you know, we're in the middle of this down market. It's been a hot minute, but uh, catch us up with uh, ITS Logistics since the, the last time we spoke. How are things on your neck of the woods? You know, I mean, just industry as a whole, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping up with uh, our continued focus on the root of what uh, gets us where we are, doubling down on our processes. Um, you know, going out of quarter three, everyone had a little bit of a bump. Uh, capacity tightened a little bit, you know, fuel was increasing. Um, quarter four is a little bit slow rolling. I think a lot of the projections that a lot of the customers talked about um, are now coming to fruition towards the end of October and rolling into November. So um, we're looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully the weather is cooperative. And uh, as we move forward into the later part of the year. Well, it's been a drought through the Chattanooga area. So our weather was cooperative enough to take out all the leaves. But uh, I noticed talked about the bump. We saw this bump as well coming into the end of September. It felt like we saw a traditional peak surge. Now it's definitely kind of more of the same, uh, even with our freight waves data. But when we're looking at the outlook and conversations with customers, uh, does it feel like there's a sense of urgency right now for folks? Or is it something where, well, if I just need that shipment, there's tons of capacity. I'll just, you know, I can wait till last minute. Definitely. Uh, I think more than ever th that I've seen, for sure, there has been a bomb, uh, I think, with a lot of the customers. When we do over calls, we do, you know, quarter four projections and into the 2024 projections. A lot of the customers set their projections up. I think they set them actually light, knowing that if they need to go into the actual spot market uh, to get capacity, they can, and it's going to be cost effective. So, the, the old times of everyone's freaking out, running around with their hair on fire, uh, I think those are, are gone. Um, and definitely this year is going to be pretty uh, pretty calm and pretty flat for Q4. And it feels that way. I think it's one of those things where overcapacity. I found one of the cool little PR things you recently did talking about your uh, port ramp index and market share. More trucking capacity is leaving the market than entering. Uh, is this something that, uh, especially across the business, uh, are we seeing this all the same or maybe like drayage drivers or, uh, you know, short hauls having better? What's it kind of looking at right now uh, as you're, you know, indexing these customers? Yeah, I think the drayage, uh, you know, they, they feel it a little bit more in certain regards because there's a lot less drayage carriers that are actually in that space. You know, it's, it's a lot more work um, and a lot more sophistication being able to handle with containers. 
Um, on the OTR side, uh, domestic transportation, you're seeing a lot more carriers actually leave the market. Uh, but you got to think, I think there's 97% of carriers in the market have less than 10 trucks. So if you have a carrier leave and it's 10 trucks, it doesn't have the mass impact that you would see maybe on the drage side. Um, and we're seeing carriers leave the market more and more. Uh, obviously, when the fuel increased coming out of quarter three, you saw a little bit more of a spike. It's dwindled down in October because fuel has decreased week over week. But as you continue to have the market tighten from a uh, from a rate standpoint, you're going to see the operating costs go well below operating margin for uh, these carriers, and that's going to drive more carriers out of the market. I always felt when I was a broker, it was it almost felt like two different worlds because you'd have your semi-dedicated lanes that you'd put a carrier on, and you know you could usually predict those folks. They, they'll stick around very infrequently. Uh, would you have a, a really bad situation where they exit? But it did feel like if the market turned, when you're spot, you know, you're posting loads, the quality and type of calls you're getting. I do wonder if there's a way to feel that, or if it's just a temperature change when you're trying to, you know, recover bounce loads, or it's a load that you don't have someone sourced for yet. Definitely. Uh, contracted business right now is king. Um, if you look at last year, I mean, there's a 41 there last year, there was a 41 cent gap between, um, or sorry, this year, there's a 41% gap between contracted and ad hoc when last year was a 5% gap. So those that are playing in the spot market, um, it's risky business. Um, you know, they're, they're really at the hands of what's going on in the market. So you have contracted business utilizing the carrier relationships, uh, maximizing driver efficiency, uh, network optimization definitely helps out playing a role into driving costs down and utilizing, uh, the, the providers that you have, um, Spot, I do not see that increasing anytime soon. I don't see there's a capacity crunch where people are going to be um, rejecting tenders. Uh, from what last thing I saw there, it's a 96% uh, tender acceptance, which is extremely high. And uh, that's the that's the kind of the path that we've been seeing this year. Our customers still focusing on like a, I remember in trucking, a lot of the customers went in 95%, either, you know, an EDI or tender compliance rate. Uh, they wanted service levels. Is that something where we're starting to see customers uh, accustomed to higher rejection rates, uh, acceptance rates say, well, I need you to be at like 99% acceptance. Or is anyone taking advantage of that? Or is it still one of those things where uh, the old method of, of uh, playing by the rules and where you stand on the service levels and acceptance rates, if that's the same thing? You know, customers definitely have the upper hand right now, as they should. I think that they they can request, hey, we need you to have your tender acceptance higher and your on-time percentage needs to be higher as well because they have the opportunity to go into the market and find somebody or resource them at the same cost. Now, with that being said, I think that that is commoditizing who you are as a transportation provider. Uh, we definitely look at who the customer is, how we come in from a strategic partner, and having those open lines of communication, knowing that we're doing everything we can from a tender acceptance, EDI, and uh, on time percentage. But on the op opposite end, a lot of customers are trying to maximize their profitability and they're lessening maybe the expectations from the on time percentage, maybe uh, decreasing certain team or expedited routes, putting those on solo routes to where they can get a better cost. Um, anything they can do to help save some money. 
that's always reminded me of uh, uh, whenever I'd switched from asset to asset light. Uh, you would get these customer reps, you'd get people soliciting customers. And when they're just starting out, like even with the Chicago split model, they just wanted customers. You could get in a bad shape really quick with these customers. And I wondered, talking about your processes as you're navigating uh, you know, this down market, is that one of the things where you know you want the volumes, but what are some good things to look for in your customers? Because I've seen instances where kids get burned, they do an RFP, now they're laying underwater midway through and they say well we should have just bought better no i i couldn't agree more i think beginning of the year with all the market uncertainty it was grab market share grab market share grab market share and go after it um as you continue to look at the uh, the quarter four and the 2024 projection is there an end in sight for this kind of a market so now you really have to reassess on certain customers is this the right business is this the right relationship and uh, definitely moving any forward with any contracts, really assessing those contracts and what kind of a situation it puts you in as a company. Um, we, as a sales team from in my company, uh, right now we are heavily focused on what the contracts look like, and we're having those conversations up front with the uh, with the potential customer, letting them know we're going to take your your contract very seriously, uh, much like we take your freight, and we're going to go through it. We need to be able to have a mutual agreement in a lot of aspects on this. This is not one sided. As we move forward, this has to be a strategic partnership, and and both both companies need to be agreeing on on what's taking place. And looking into technology as well, uh, you know, we've heard with some recent moves in the freight tech space. Uh, what happens when technology can be either over leveraged or you approach it a different way, similar to like how Convoy had a Silicon Valley style model. Uh, being a brokerage and adopting this tech, what are some of the cool things y'all are working on? And also, is this the time where the tech you developed earlier, you want to deploy it? Or is this also where you want to start looking at other new integrations with the market being kind of a little bit softer? Maybe you can implement it easier. You know, we've done a little bit of both. We've definitely been working on some other tech uh, that we've been working on over the past, you know, couple of years, and we're now rolling it out. And it's a lot of it is how can we better create efficiency for our customers and our employees uh, from visibility, exception-based management, um, really being able to maximize the amount of work and clicks that the employees can do through tech. And in return, it helps our customers uh, save money. So, yeah, we're, we've rolled out a, a, some called Container AI to uh, our customers to where it is allowing our customers full visibility of all their containers. Uh, it's a great platform. We're, we're giving our customers that utilize us from an execution standpoint and also customers that maybe don't use us from an execution standpoint. We're offering that as well. Um it's really finding ways to be able to give customers maybe the visibility they haven't had over the past couple of years um, and also creating us internally better work-life balance to be able to manage our business. I do have a random container-related question. I spoke with a gentleman on XM Radio talking about one of the big deals was electronic uh, bill of ladings for container shippings. And apparently for some of these places, you still have to carry paper copies of everything. Is that one of the technology goals? Is that something where for folks who are doing the drayage and everything, uh, that digitalization? Or is it something where like folks are still having to keep paper copies and you're manually inputting it in and it's just taking up time? Is that something y'all have experienced any? Yeah, I think definitely uh, getting to the digital platform for especially containers, because it's a volume play when you're messing with containers, right? There's so much. So when you stick to the manual process, of the bill of ladings, it slows things down. The drivers can't do as many turns. Um, so anything you can do to maximize their uh, their time spent and where their money goes is definitely going to help out. 
And looking at how this container AI works, I know that uh, it's it's been one of the things I've heard from folks is that is one of the challenges is where is the container? Is it you know still stuck in the stack or are they going to get it? Uh, does does that require also additional partnerships with like the telematics and the providers who have the container tracking, or is it something where uh, you're just giving more end to end visibility that maybe traditionally customers would just wait and say, hey, in progress, I don't know yet, I got to call somebody. No, it's both. We partner. We partner with people that provide the the drive data. You know, API feeds into our network, um, and it does give the end to end visibility. Um, I'm not going to dive too far into it. I think that's where we get to use this plug of, hey, if you want to know more about Container AI, please reach out to me. I'd love to give you a demo. Um, but it's definitely it's a, it's an awesome feature, and I wish that we uh, we could have had it rolled out a little bit sooner. But uh, now is the best time, and we're we're ready to hit the ground running with it. Well, I'm excited by that. Switching gears to the people aspect. Um, I know that training is very important. Brokerages typically have challenges, especially keeping talent. Sometimes turnover can be an issue for folks just getting in. What's the status uh, for the people situation, especially in a down market where a lot of times I've heard from other brokerages, they want to have like a leaner staff and a wait and see approach. And then once we see the the green shoots, I love my buzzwords, then you start hiring more to, to cover. You know, we never stopped hiring uh, at all this year. We've always focused on continuing to keep that pipeline. I would say for myself, you know, I, I did a, um, a recent Freight Waves conversation talking about the culture and and how we can continue to, um, you know, build that culture here. You know, sometimes even myself, and I've talked to my other leaders, uh, I've, we've gotten away at a certain extent to focusing more on the production, the numbers and the market share and go, go, go. We got to be able to get after it. And sometimes you lose sight of the person behind that. I think that's kind of a, a great opportunity for us right now. Um, speaking for myself is that kind of refocus on the person and the training and the mentorship that comes first. And then in the end, that's where the production comes. We always talk about the root, not the fruit. The people are our root. And before the person even comes in, the recruiting, the training, the retention, uh, the constant uh, mentorship and continued education is the most important thing. And if you do that correctly, the production will come. I feel like right now, one of the bigger mentorships has to be, uh, you know, persistence, especially if you're trying to solicit. Uh, I remember uh, when I was, uh, I did when I stint as a broker, you could tell the difference between an up market and a down market. And it was always harder for the rep starting out in a soft market. But if you trained them right, they became some of the most profitable folks because they're like, oh, this is, things are so much better than what it used to be like mentally. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, I, I learned that the hard way starting off in whatever was it, 09, you know, that that whole market. That was, I mean, you had to bang 100 phone calls to make $100 and maybe get one yes on a good day. Uh, so then when you flip the to 2015, 2018, uh, 2022, you're like, this is, the, this is awesome. You're never going to see something like this again. So I, I agree with you. I think that the people that have gone through the adversity in the market, they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel right now. It's bringing the people along that have maybe have not been through it, that have not been through maybe the 2019, the 2016 downturns. So really just mentoring them and bringing them along and letting them know that you have to continue to follow the process. Um, look towards your leaders, look towards people that have been through it before, and uh, you'll be all right. And I think, I guess, starting out as well, it, it reminded me you'd make so many calls and finally even just either find a truck or maybe a customer is willing to give you an email to actually even look at the loads. Is that one of the challenges when the market's tougher as well is almost have to build folks up and tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. This is completely normal because that freaked me out. I remember when I started, I ended up in operations and account executive. But when I was a carrier rep, 
I was just pounding away the phones. I was like, oh man, I, I feel completely worthless making like 10 calls an hour and not getting anything when you're starting out. Well, it's, it's different. I mean, so when the market's like it is right now, it's extremely challenging on the sales side to bring in customers. And that's where the constant follow-up from a strategic level and building relationships with your uh, proposed prospects, but also doing your due diligence. I think that it, it, you can separate yourself a little bit from maybe uh, a broker that's just entering the market because, I mean, especially when I started, it was how many phone calls are you going to make? How many people are you going to get on the phone? How many people are you going to solicit? My sales thoughts are, how well and what is the quality of those calls? Are you doing your due diligence before you pick up the phone, knowing about the person, knowing the different people you can connect with in that company uh, versus just blowing through the phone? Because I think that that's kind of a lost, uh, lost art. It's like over focusing on the volume versus actually the quality. But on the carrier side now, it's kind of funny when the market's great, the carrier reps are struggling to cover loads and they're always freaking out trying to make all these phone calls. And now it's the easiest thing is to, cover freight because there's so much uh, ability and so much capacity out there. So you kind of get the yin and yang between sales and operations, uh, depending on what market you're in. Definitely. I was on the, when it was tight for carrier side, and then that's when I managed over, but you could find customers because it was really hard to find trucks. So um, looking as we're moving in asset light, what does it mean to be an asset based company uh, and how you're leveraging assets? There was a really cool thing. and I didn't find uh, the actual writing, but at one of the inland conferences talking about asset smart. And I heard that from somebody else as well, but is this something where, especially in the, the, the 3PL space, we're trying to see an evolution of it because uh, I did speak with somebody else and it felt like uh, we're seeing this change compared to your traditional, all the technology that's supposed to be great, but maybe we don't have a good carrier experience. And now it's almost like expectations are you got to do both. You know, I, th I definitely think you need to do both. I think the the perception of what assets are, I think that in my opinion, it really needs to change because you, know, you can have a truck, you can have a trailer, you can have a warehouse, but how are those being operated? Who's the person that's on the other end of the telephone? Who's who's driving the product? And that all comes down to people. Um, and then backed by the people, how is the technology that's providing that uh, visibility and exception-based management? So I think you definitely have to have both. Um, and that's what we're focused on is doubling down on our people and doubling down on our, uh, on our technology platforms. And you all are multimodal, right? I think you have warehousing in addition to the assets. Has there been any opportunities? I know we, uh, Freightwave has been reporting about yellow. Everyone's trying to pick through the bones, but is this a situation where you're hearing as you're going to conferences and talking to people, are folks looking to try and expand and hit the gas in the corner? Or is now the time we just got to make things more efficient to try and then ride it out? You know, I think right now uh, creating efficiency is extremely important because there is a little bit of a lull. We know it's going to come back. Uh, when that's going to come back, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't have that. I think that creating the better efficiency and getting better at what you're currently doing while adding the things that work in your business is extremely paramount to set you up for success going into 2024. And uh, that was one of the things, crystal balls. I always feel bad as the expert. They're saying, well, when will the market turn? It's like, well, I don't really have like a group text with about 3 million drivers who are owner operators. I can't just quit. Hey, how many of y'all are left? Who's, who's thinking of leaving this week? So, you know, when you're looking at that, uh, leveraging the assets, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, is, um, is now the time as well to maybe look at expanding fleets, expanding the warehousing, or is this part also one of the things you want to look at? Maybe I just need to expand the 3PL. If you had a wish list in the next six months, what do you think? Uh, would be the big thing uh, as you're moving into the new market? 
You know, for, for me as a wish list, I think just diversifying our portfolio in regards to what types of industries we're going after and focusing on those and having a strategic uh, uh, go forward strategy at uh, the, the logistics level from a transportation side. I think that having warehouse space, having cross docks, having yards, extremely valuable because when you open up the door with a customer, maybe in a different uh, industry or different vertical, you have those tangible assets that you can utilize. Um, but I think that definitely the the, the people that are, that are backing all this um, need to have that strategic focus as well. It cannot be transactional. I do wonder multimodal exposure. Uh, I remember that typically you'd get your reps starting out. They were like, well, I'm going to do van. Then you kind of move into reefer and then eventually you start doing open deck. Is there ever a play for like your crazy pneumatic bulk or any of that kind of stuff? Or uh, is there specific verticals that are more preferable to others when you're looking for that growth play? Because everyone does, it feels like everyone does dry van. It's like, what's the next level? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, it's something that I, I don't know if bulk will ever be something from a 3PL to really dive heavily into. I think that's a pretty captive market where people own those trucks. They know they know the customers. They know the people. I, de- I think that when you move from a dry van specific you know, 3PL into the reefer, into the flatbed, I think that you have to have the operations team that's fully ready and able to... Uh, to run that business. You know, it's, it's one thing to go and sell to it and say, yeah, we can do X, Y, and Z. But you go look at every single person that's, that has a brokerage, you go look on their website. Everyone does all the same thing, right? Oh, we do LTL, we do dry van, we do reefer, we do open deck specialized. Everyone does it, but who does it well? You know, that, I think that's really the question because it's, it's easy to say you do it and you can sell to it, but how can you operationally run it in the background? And with warehousing stuff, I always wondered if it was useful with parcel. I remember I, I dealt with one or two, you know, it's really hard to find parcel carriers, a little sprinter vans, you know, they kind of just, they're in this weird quasi state. Is that something that, uh, you know, 3PLs are looking into maybe that parcel or last mile, or is that still very captive by these large incumbents, your FedExes, your UPS and all that jazz, and it's just not really worth kind of getting into? No, I think that you can you can definitely in certain markets that we've been reached out to by by customers, large customers that said, "Hey, do you guys have any capacity in these certain markets that you could utilize either sprinter vans or box trucks?" And it's actually grown uh, here at ITS because we've had that opportunity from a capacity side and from a you know from an overall three PL. I think that you have to have the customer base that requires certain things and then find the solution to it. Um, you know, it's very easy to sit there and, and think, oh, well, we don't have those. We've never really moved them before. When my customer's asking, you can just say, no, we don't do that. But finding the solution for your customer, it's, it's fulfilling and it's awesome because you just add to your, your tools of uh, what different capacity you have. I was one of the, the sales mentors I had who was an ops mentor later. Uh, he said, well, you just got to figure it out. It's like a puzzle. And so the funniest one was they started open deck and then your binders changed and tarps and all that. And then started going into overdimension and heavy haul. And you're looking at this, you're like, I don't know who I'm going to call. It's like, well, just got to figure it out. Because like you said, that could be a next uh, a new customer. You may not always get the amount, but the margins on those things, like, uh, you know, you that could sustain a book if you're doing your high volume, low margin lanes. Just never say no if you got the team. Yeah, definitely. When I, I, when I started out... Um being an account manager and, and running uh, my own team, I was heavily invested in the overdimensional flatbed and uh, step deck and RG. And, and that was, that was, I was everything. I loved it. I loved doing all the escorts, the police escorts and uh, permits. And then uh, you start realizing it's like, wow, you know, you don't, you don't book a whole ton of volume, but it's more because you spend so much time in understanding that one specific load, everything you need. 
and then it pays out a little bit more than the drive-in. So I think having a healthy mix between both of those, and I think that the more you can be versed in actually uh, different types of modes of transportation, the better you're going to be uh, when you're going out into the sales market. I feel like that's the big play. We reported on winter is coming for brokerages and stuff, but I feel like non-diversified brokers who do what everyone else is doing in terms of commoditization, your drive vans, that's your biggest risk versus folks who are willing to venture out there. I agree. I think that, um, you know, everyone's got to be good at something, but you can't be good at everything. I think the more people you bring in um, and, and train to and help uh, build out those different uh, modes of transportation to where you're good at all of them, I think it, it enhances your business. So you can go to market and your strategy can be across multiple different verticals in the, in the industry. Well, looking forward to it. Got about a minute left. So uh, for folks who are interested, learning more either about the technology with the uh, the recent stuff as well in the container or just get in contact, what's the best way to reach out? I think definitely hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, uh, email me, and I will be able to get back to you. Uh, we have uh, people here that will do the demos and for the container AI. And then if you have any more questions or anything on our tech platforms uh, and go to market strategy, I'd love to connect and have a conversation. Perfect. Manny, always a pleasure to catch up again. I know as we're going into uh, October, peak se- November now, peak season, a uh, lot of stuff going on. Final thoughts, Halloween. Uh, did you guys do anything at the office? Anyone dress up? Oh, man, we had a uh, we had an outing last week or two weeks ago where everyone dressed up and we were all everyone was bowling and it, it, it was pretty ridiculous. All the teams dressed up alike. So we had Teletubbies and we had people, I mean, we had old gangster. It was it was yeah. great. So uh, we try to keep it light here and uh, have, a, have an enjoying time. Love it. Love it. Well, I'll, uh, we'll have to uh, put the pictures on social. We'll, we'll comment. We'll, we'll send it out. But uh, Manny, always a pleasure to have you on. Got to run right now. But thanks again for coming and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's going to be a wrap for today's show. But if you're just joining us, we are going to be on Apple, Spotify, and the YouTube channel, freightways.com slash YouTube. The newsletter, Loaded and Rolling, comes out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So join us. I'll be at F3 next week, so join us at that. But definitely check out the folks at ITS Logistics as well. In the meantime, it's a wrap for today. Join us next time. We'll do it live.